welcome to Beautiful Possibility, the creative process journal of Jillian Jacob Kieser. That's me. I created this for all stuck, hopeful, and aspiring creatives everywhere. You are not alone. The truth is, perfectionism grabbed me sometime in adolescence and halted my creative journey for many years. Today, my desire to create is stronger than my fear. So I created this podcast as my day-to-day account of getting unstuck and into motion. In this audio journal, I'll take you along on my process of unblocking and relearning how to find joy, courage, and fulfillment in creating. I always say the only place to start is exactly where you are. So let's begin. Hello, everybody. I'm so, so, so excited to have today's guest with us. This is someone that I've had an Instagram crush on for months and months. I've followed her work. I've followed her podcast. I've talked about her podcast on the show. I think she's brilliant. And I'm so, so excited to have this conversation and to share it with you today. I've got Emily Sheehan on the show today. Emily is a dramaturg and playwright in Melbourne, Australia. Her plays have been published and performed nationally around Australia, and she lectures at the University of Melbourne. Emily, welcome to Beautiful Possibility. Oh, thank you so much for having me and ditto on a crush on your podcast. Oh, so fun. It's really funny, Emily, because when I first started, do I only started my Instagram in November, so like maybe six months ago. And I had an idea in my head of what I would get out of it and why I thought it would be a good thing to do, which was like, I'll feel really fulfilled. I might reach some people or teach something or, you know, make a difference in someone's life. But I honestly had not anticipated the community aspect of finding others who were doing similar work and like meeting more writer friends which I hadn't realized honestly was like a big gap in my life until I started meeting people all over the world through Instagram. It's just been so cool to feel like I've found a lot of folks who I feel like are in my tribe. I don't know if you've had a similar experience. Yeah, it's funny because I started mine as similarly an experiment, um, originally actually as videos on Instagram, because in Melbourne, we had just gone into our third lockdown. So we were the most lockdown city in the world. I think we, I don't even know how many days we did in lockdown. It was like more than 250. And I realized that, yeah, that no, I wasn't going to be talking about my art for a really long time because theater, we had no idea where theater was at. So I was like, okay, well, maybe I could start talking about the process rather than just um, talking about finished products. So that was the experiment that started nearly two years ago now. And then eventually, I think I realized I actually prefer consuming creative content in an audio format. So it just naturally migrated over to a podcast. But yeah, it's a fun experiment. Um, And it's great to have writers at all stages of their process, feel comfortable talking about the work they're making. Absolutely. And like, I, I love following your work because it's the work that you're doing is so different from my lived experience. Like I've never written a play. I was a drama nerd in high school, so I've read and directed plays. I like plays, but never tried to write one. And most of my writing has been like blogging and like business writing, talking about process and teaching and mentoring in that space is so different, but also so similar. So it's Mm -hmm. been so cool to hear 
like your most recent podcast episode on drafting and revising was super informative. I took some stuff back to my team about that. And like, it's just super cool to get to share across different genres and, and disciplines because there's so much that's, that stays universal. Totally. And I think especially with writers across different mediums, we all have this, I don't know, this connection. There's something so solo about what we do. Um, and then that finding its place in the world has, you know, it's going to be different through different forms. But yeah, I think writers have a shared experience about how work is made. Absolutely. I ha- Okay. So I have an embarrassing question for you. Um, what is a dramaturg? What does that word mean? So there's two different um, ways a dramaturg might work. First of all, if you're working with a writer on a new text, brand new writer, brand new play, you might work to support them to ask them the right questions that they might need for their their vision to come through and support that writing process. And then there's production dramaturgy. And production dramaturgy is if you're working on a play, and this might be a new play, or it might be a restaging of a classic, um, you're sort of that voice in the room that's asking questions of all of the artists in terms of the designer, the director, the writer, um, or the sound designer, all of the bits and pieces, are they all coming together cohesively and serving the thematic intention of the play? Are all of the pieces working in that way? And you might play that blending role. So I work with writers writing new work. Um, and similarly, I always, always use a dramaturg when I write. That's so cool. It's like a play doula or something <laughs> totally. like that. Like, I want that. I I don't, <laughs> I wish every writing discipline had someone in that kind of role who's like, I'm here to assist. I'm here to make sure the vision makes sense and is consistent. And like, it feels like it acknowledges that you're going to hit a few walls or like get lost in your own story. And that it's like, that's normal. That's going to happen. We've got someone here that's going to help you navigate your way out of that. Don't stress and don't quit. Totally. And that's so interesting that you use the word doula because it's so similar to midwifery in the way of you're there to support the person to get that project out there, but you're not a parent. You don't get to name it. (laughs) You don't get to decide who it might be, what it might become and support that child. You're there to support the artist. You're there to support them to make their work, but it's their work. So I love that a little bit at a, at an arm's length, but in a good way, I think. Oh my God. That's so cool. So I want to hear about your creative journey. I have so many questions to ask you. How did you get started as an artist? How did you get to what you're doing now? Were you always working in the drama space? Yeah, well, I think I, first of all, always grew up putting on like little plays and concerts and um, dance routines with my little sister and not in any sort of formal professional way, just literally in the backyard and we were always sort of roping in our neighbors or our cousins or if we had friends over it would be like yes there's five of us we can do a variety show this afternoon (laughs) because of that I always thought acting and performing or maybe music would be the thing that I did and then yeah so at university I studied acting and did um like a three-year conservatory training program and then Once I graduated, I was doing, you know, indie theater and indie shows and traveled a little bit overseas. And actually I was in Chicago in America. All of the actors I met there were taking writing classes and that was brand new to me. And I suppose that makes sense because there's such a huge comedy scene there and the performers need to be 
making their own material, which was something that I hadn't really come across before. So when I went back to Sydney, I just started taking some evening writing classes. And honestly, I really didn't think I would become a writer. It's just following the breadcrumbs and following those yes moments or those would you like to do this moments and piece by piece following all these yeses I found myself pursuing writing and then I guess a big commitment to that was I moved to Melbourne and did my master's in playwriting but I think what's valuable is I wasn't like attached to an identity of being an actor. I was comfortable Mm. kind of flowing with where these opportunities were leading me. And it's just, you arrive and go, wow, I guess I'm a play right now. And that's, that's how it happened. So I think, yeah, it just starts as that, what do you like doing? Then what, how do you think that might be expressed? Um, And then finding maybe where there's I don't know, the world's making a little bit of space for you to step into. That's probably how this all happened. Oh, I love that. The world's making space for you. I'm curious, you mentioned following a series of yes moments, and I love the way that you put that. Do you feel like that's like a philosophy that you adopted at some point? Or can you tell me a little bit more about what that feels like for you? Oh, great question. It's funny you even say that because when I was setting some goals at the start of this year and thinking about, you know, okay, what next? Because I sort of realized I hit this point where when I graduated my master's degree, which is seven years ago now, it's a little while ago, I kind of had these things that I thought I would do. And then towards the end of last year, I was like, oh, I think I've done those things. (laughs) What do I want to do now? And then uh, I thought, okay, maybe there's different mediums I want to write in, or maybe do I want to do screen or do I want to write audio drama or I do want to collaborate with musicians. I, I wasn't really sure, but just having you ask me that question now, realizing, oh yeah, I actually, my little goal was to like follow the breadcrumbs into new spaces and just be comfortable going. If a friend says, hey, would you, you know, want to write this short film or would you want to co-write this for me? Or can you take a look at blood? Just going, yes, 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 I can do that a bit more intentionally. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think following the breadcrumbs is definitely something I'm trying to do consciously at the moment. That's awesome. Was that in opposition to how you might have worked previously in your life? Oh, good question. Yeah, I think when I wanted to be, when I was really in it um, and wanting to be an actor and saw myself as an actor in the early days, and this is probably also just like early 20s, you know, you're so like, who am I? What's my identity? How is that defined through action? I think I had a version in my head of what that meant and what sort of life I was supposed to have. And Mm. because that wasn't uh, matching up with my experience of how I was, (laughs) the yeses that I maybe wasn't getting, I was feeling maybe that, how do I say this? It was difficult to um, imagine different ways that that might, I might find myself acting. Absolutely. I'm curious to talk about, since you work as both a playwright and a dramaturg, which is my new vocabulary word, how do you feel about sort of the difference in terms of your mindset and the skills you use when you're sitting in the writer's chair versus coming in as that kind of craft doula or the the dramaturg that's kind of guiding the work of someone else? Hmm. Okay. So when I'm writing, I guess what I would seek in a dramaturg is someone who understands the, uh, I was going to say the word consequences, but I'll use the word consequences. <laughs> the consequences are what they're asking me. Mm. So when you, 
right, when you ask questions at certain times, it can blow things up. It can um, explode things open into something great. It can shut you down. It can make you put up walls. It can question. You might hear a note before you're ready to hear it. Mm. Or the work to address that note is so enormous and maybe this is not the time to ask for clarity in these spaces. All that to say is I think that what I'm seeking is someone who understands what they are asking of me when they ask certain questions and watch not how to fix it, not what to do, not what rewrite to make, but just what door might I be opening for them and then how long are they then going to have to set out and deal with that um, before they're you know ready to come back and have another discussion because it's a big responsibility and if you don't understand craft in some sort of way or, or the rhythm of the writer that you're working with, I mean, we always just want things that are more helpful than than unhelpful, really. And like, oh, hell yeah. helpful or not helpful. Yeah. And so I suppose when I am working either formally as a dramaturg or just with friends, like in a writer's group and giving each other feedback, trying to give the writer what they need at that point in time. Hopefully a writer feels empowered to ask for what they need and then you can honor that and support them in that way. I love that. Yeah, that's definitely something that I coach my team on at work, which is like knowing how to ask for feedback instead of like, will you give me feedback on this? Absolutely. And then it depends how much you're touching in with them, because if you have access to that conversation a lot, um, you can just ask for little snacks of feedback. (laughs) But if it's someone that you admire and you get, you know, maybe you're doing a mentorship with and you maybe get an hour with them every six months, I don't know, maybe you were like, okay, give me the main course piece of feedback and I'll take it away and digest it and work with it. And sometimes you just need to hear yourself speak. So you don't need to get feedback. You just need a friend (laughs) to have read your work and sit there while you talk to them about your work. And that's all. Absolutely. I think that's why process journaling can be really helpful is because you can sit in conversation with your project Um, and ask questions of your project. Like I like to think sometimes that my creative work is sort of its own entity. (laughs) It's kind of of me and it's kind of of the world. I I could conceive of it as its own entity that's sort of forming, it's fluid, there's what energy I put in is kind of feeding it and it's shaping, but there's something in externalising it that I can, in my process journal, ask eight questions. Like I can say, what do you need me to know about you? You know, what challenges are you facing? Is there anything about the way I'm approaching you that's not helping? Huh. What do you want to become next? What are you excited about? What are you trying to tell me? Sometimes just that mindset of placing it outside yourself and asking it questions can kind of give you what you need. It's just a way of being in conversation with your work, giving yourself feedback and discussing it that you have access to anytime. (laughs) You just need a journal. I love that. And it's not, what I'm hearing is that it's not that you need a third party's expert advice. It's just having it outside of yourself. So really, really your advice is just as good as your friend's advice or whoever's advice you might be seeking. You just need a way to pull it out of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, most of the time, hopefully when you're working with someone with feedback, they're just, they're asking you questions as much as there may be making statements 
Mm. So you can also ask yourself great questions. I mean, that the quality of your writing is going to be so dependent on the quality of the questions you're asked as it's forming. The same as the quality of a good conversation, as you would know, as a podcaster, um, <laughs> you know, great questions are going to unlock something interesting. Don't ask yourself, well, what should happen next? How could this be better? What's wrong with it? That can be a posture that might close down options. I love that so much. We can all be our own dramaturg. Absolutely. I want to ask you more about process journals. I've heard you talk about this on your podcast. Is this something that is like well-known and well-used? Is it something you've developed? Is it something that you've taken and run with and kind of turned into your own thing? Mm, Well, I think every writer will have a project notebook, (laughs) whatever they want to call it, a project notebook, a process journal, a file on their computer that they just dump thoughts into. Um, For myself, I suppose it's something that's organically developed along the way. But what I try to do is always have one notebook per project that I'm working on. Um, I mean, that might turn into three notebooks if I'm with a project for a couple of years. But it's a place to, first of all, get down ideas as they're happening, to have the meta text, so text about the text, (laughs) how I'm going with it, what I think might be next. But then I think a tool that I have found myself using again and again, is just trying to separate out different ways I might check in with myself. So I might check in with myself as Emily, the artist, the playwright, you know, how's she going? Then I'll try to check in with like the project. How is the project going? Mm-hmm. And then just personally, as a, as a human, Emily, the human, how's she going? Because sometimes how the human's going <laughs> is not good, but how the, the playwright is going is really great, really, really great. And actually the project's kicking along as well. And it might just be that human-wise, I'm just not having a time that's great, but I can feel like, oh, when I'm at my desk, I could actually know that, well, the playwright's here now, I'm working on my project and these things are going okay. Other times it might be something else. It might be the project's really hit (laughs) hit a moment and yet my artist self and my human self are fine. So I don't need to blow up everything. I don't need to change anything about my life or about my routine. It's just the project is having a moment. Anyway, so process journaling, I think is a great way to to know what actually is happening here, what is going on in a more routine way. And then, of course, alongside that, figuring out everything to do with making making a work of art, your character arcs, your your different plot points, the events of the play, the the act, the structure of the acts, the scenes, what's not working, what I'm loving, exploring the themes. I love writing about where am I at? Where is this present in my life? Or where am I in this play? To try to meet a project on its own terms, to try to meet it where it's at, whether that's thematically or emotionally or intellectually, to try to sit with it on its own terms on the page can be really great before you move into writing dialogue. I'm so curious to hear more about this. What you're saying about the themes in your life, like wanting to see some part of yourself on the page, or I'm imagining like be in dialogue with something that's happening in your life. Can you tell me more about how you think about engaging Emily, the person with Emily, the playwright and Emily's project? What does that relationship structure feel like? 
I mean, maybe even you asking that question now makes me go, maybe that's to do with my actor training (laughs) and you need to like find yourself in all of the roles and vice versa, find the roles in you. Mm. I think for me, theme is so clear at the start of projects. I need to know what, what's the guts of this thing? What's the moral assumption I'm making? What's the philosophical idea? What realm of life is this dealing with? What sphere of life? Whatever it is, finding something. Sometimes it's two things and it's that overlap, that Venn diagram. But in that, there's always going to be so many questions about like, what are the misunderstandings that frustrate me most in society about this issue? What are the prejudices that upset me the most? When are times I've gotten this wrong? When are times that I've, you know, come to a new understanding? When has this not sat in my lived experience of the world? Or when have I acted you know, in a judgmental way, but because I haven't had a lived experience of that. Mm. I don't know what it is. But I think it's just like starting to mine, to mine these themes for stuff that is dramatically charged. That's interesting. That conflict exists there. Because all you need is to be able to go, oh my gosh, that I can write towards that. That has momentum for me. I can put my foot on the accelerator and go for that. That doesn't mean that's the plot of the play. It just means that I understand the conflict there. I understand the moral ambiguity, the mistakes. <laughs> so many things are work in theory, but when you bring them down into a human body, everything goes out the window. We don't act in our best interests. We don't take care of the people we love. And that's, I guess, why art can also be an interesting engagement with the world. You know, non-fictional work is going to make propositions about the world and ask questions about the world through, you know, facts, through compelling arguments, maybe some anecdotal stories, whereas a work of art, it's kind of going to come in through the back door and do it in a symbolic way, do it in an emotional way, do it in a stylistically interesting way, you know, and what is it to be human? So why, why not be always asking ourselves that question on the page while we're making a work? I'm so obsessed with you. You're so <laughs> smart. This is so good. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're very kind. Well, no, I want to hang out and learn from you so much. I have just like little baby nascent desires like of writing fiction and like writing story. And it's such a untapped, un any, you know, like when I was a little kid, I wrote and then like stopped forever, you know? And so like, I feel like I'm just in this moment in my life where I'm absorbing like a sponge, everything I can get about just conflict and what is drama about and what is story about and how are humans relating to story. And like, so I just, I could listen to you talk forever. Totally. And I mean, we all get it. Like drama is just, I mean, if we, if we read an essay, if we read a newspaper article, we listen to a great podcast discussing ideas on something there's going to be themes to that work. And then it's just about, you know, tapping into that. If we're making a work of fiction, tapping into that and finding how could these themes be enacted? How could humans enact these themes on one another? How could they explore these themes through action, through events, through events that have consequences and have a sort of causal relationship that lead us somewhere? Not to make a moral point, not to say, oh, look, look at this, this is what I have to say about the world, just to get into the guts and the messiness of it in a way that's, you know, fun. I mean, how great is art? It's just fun. It's just play. It is fun and it is play and it is contained 
in a play, like either on stage or in a book or some is some way that's safe for people as viewers or readers to come in and explore and get messy with that, like the real guts of life in a way that they might not in their own life or own home or whatever. Absolutely. And I think also as like an audience member and a con- like, I love, like, I love film. I love TV. I love all of that stuff. And sometimes there's themes that are so present in your life. You do not need to consume them through art as well. <laughs> it's too much. You don't need to go there. You, you are there. <laughs> it's too oh much. God. I don't need to watch that because yeah. it's too, it hurts way too much. So sometimes there's stuff that is way too present in our lives. We don't need to engage with that. And similarly with writing. We might think, actually, I'm not ready to make statements. I'm not ready to ask questions. I'm not ready to probe this theme right now, whether because that's too present or whether it's because like sometimes I've had ideas that have come to me and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to write this so shit hot in my 40s. I'm just going to give it a minute. This is going to be so good. Yes. <laughs> oh my God, Emily. Because I know there's things in my life because of, you know, things that have happened to family or friends or people I love. I'm not ready to go into the gray area. I, it needs to be black and white just for a bit. I need to see it as black and white to keep them safe, to keep me safe, all of that. And then in a while, I'll be ready to get into the gray area and get ready to get messy and get ready to deal with flawed people making mistakes and not doing the right thing in this space. Um, And I can write them with compassion. And sometimes there's things that you go, ooh, not yet. (laughs) Just in a little bit, but not yet. I love that. It really speaks to the fact that this is a lifelong journey. It's not like a produce, produce. Yes, there are parts of it, commercial art. Yes, for sure. But like the relationship with your themes and your ability to explore them is such a personal journey. And like what I'm hearing from you is like, it's almost part of this long-term like self-care relationship through time of like handling yourself and your heart and your soul and these questions like gently and appropriately over the course of your life instead of like trying to squeeze something out of something when it's not ready. Like again, to use the like birth metaphor, like it's not ready to be born, like things need to gestate. Totally. Actually, yeah, even on that gestation, like different um, species take different times to cook. You know, you're going to have projects that take longer to cook and other ones are just like, come on out. And you're like, whoa, (laughs) great. You're done. That's great. And then other ones that take time. It's kind of great. It's like the mystery of what you're working on. You don't know. And so I think it's really harsh to think, well, this is the player right this year. And then the next year I'm going to do that. And then it's going to be on here. And then I'm going to develop it into a TV show, blah, blah, blah. No, we don't choose duration sometimes. Sometimes it it's happening on its own time frame, and we need to roll with that. And sometimes its time frame is fast, and that's really confronting because it's asking you to commit to this. It needs to get work. You need to work on it. It wants to come out fast. It, it, this act needs to move through you, and you just need to work. And it's not pleasant <laughs> because you mm. haven't formed it yet. You don't know what it's going to be. You're dealing in the realm of things that are really unknowable until you write them. You don't know what it is. Um, So sometimes working way faster than you feel comfortable is also another great access point, entry point into something, if that's how the idea is calling you. Is it scary ever? Yeah, I'm terrified every day of my life. (laughs) Is making the work scary? Yes, is the first answer. But then the second answer is, in terms of talking about like habits and routines, You need to know what works for you. With me, 
I know I need an element of control. <laughs> I like to know the menu of a restaurant before I go there. I don't know why. It just makes me more excited. I think about what I might eat. It's great. It's part of the pleasure. So I also need to know the menu of what I might be working on before I arrive at the desk. So taking great care of myself and making sure that I'm doing it with courage and I've got my defenses down, I'm a bit more relaxed, I'm a bit more present, means knowing what I'm going to write. I might take that extra time at the end of a writing session to go, okay, cool. On Saturday, I need to work on this half page of dialogue and that's what I'm going to work on. And it might take 20 minutes, it might take an hour, it might take two minutes, whatever it takes, that's what I'm doing. And knowing what I'm arriving at next helps me relax into it. Another thing that helps me relax into it is setting a timer. I know some people like working with word count, like they have a minimum word count. I just don't work that way because I, it's just not how I like to work. I like to work in time. Mm-hmm. 20 minutes. I have faith that 20 minutes will get me somewhere. And if it doesn't get me somewhere, clearly it's not ready to drop in. Or I'm not willing to let myself go there today for whatever reason. But if I can sit there for 20 minutes and give it a go, then we're moving. We're moving the needle. It makes you feel like you're not in prison. <laughs> Yes. Forever until you solve it and bang your head against the wall. Like, yes. When I was writing my book that I just finished and I'm releasing in two weeks. Congratulations. Thank you. My first personal work that I'm publishing and sharing with the world. So it's very, it feels really cool, but it was terrifying. It was a, it was a heart wrenching experience, which I've released several podcast episodes about already. But what I was going to say was like, one of the things that really worked for me in the middle part of the writing editing process was having time blocks where I was like, I'm going to work on this for one hour. I'm going to work on it for three hours. Mm -hmm. It allows you to kind of relax knowing that Mm -hmm. someone's taking care of the time part. It's like a meditation timer where you're like, I don't have to think about what time it is. I can just be present. I'm going to dive in. I'm going to work on the pieces that I need to work on. And when that timer goes off, I've done enough for the day instead of Mm -hmm. feeling like you have to boil the ocean in one day. Exactly. Exactly. There's a known quantity to something that is so unknown. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I just know from seven till 10, this is where I'm going to sit. And once 10 has passed, I can go for a walk or I can go buy some lunch, whatever it is. There was one other question I was going to ask you based on something you said earlier. Uh, One of like my favorite pieces of writing I ever read is from Tara Moore, who's a, she's an amazing coach and teacher. And she talks about how each soul has these questions that were put on earth to explore and develop and like your own life's journey will confront you with the same question over and over. The example she gives are like, how do I trust? What is it to heal? You know, these kinds of Mm. things. And like, I'm curious if you feel like you have a certain question or like themes that come up for you in your personal life, as well as like your dramaturgical interests? Mm, Okay. I love that question so much. Two things. First thing is, yes, that so reminds me of, um, I think in Elizabeth Gilbert's book, Big Magic, it begins with a quote. I'm just paraphrasing this, but it's something like, do you have the courage to seek out the treasures that are buried inside you? And then the treasures are hoping that your answer is yes. So Mm. I love that. Oh, I got chills. <laughs> yeah, they want to be found. <laughs> what is it? We've got to find these. Um, so yeah, I, anyway, what you said about um, your soul's questions, I think that's really aligned with 
with that way of thinking about finding your stories. Um, in terms of questions I find myself returning to, hilariously, I was working with um, a writing mentor and I was really agonising over, well, am I going to write about this or am I going to write about that or what's this theme and rah, rah, rah. I was just agonising over it and talking to her, well, because it could come out this way or I could do three characters and if I did four characters it could be like this, but if it was just a two-hander this would be the benefits. And then she was like, I'm really sorry to break it to you, Emily, but it doesn't really matter what you think you're writing because whatever's going on unconsciously, it's just going to make itself known. So it doesn't matter what the form is. <laughs> it's just a container for what something's going to come through and too bad. You don't really get to choose. <laughs> um, at sometimes that's like, no. And other times that's like, okay, cool. At the end of the day, a good enough decision will move me forward because something is going on in my heart, in my mind, in my life, in my soul question, as you put it, there's there's something going on here that it's just going to make itself known. Once I start working on it, it'll show itself. And uh, you kind of, you can't escape yourself. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I often think a lot and like write about and do a lot of work around like the first initial part of getting into a creative piece of work or starting something and how that is just so challenging and difficult for folks who don't have an established practice or an established practice in that medium. I think for me, the way I've thought about it before is like, I know that no matter what I'm going to be me, it's like, there's like a million on ramps to the same freeway and whichever mm. on ramp you choose literally doesn't matter at all because mm. you're, you're going the same place. But I think that we get in our heads a lot about like, well, which is the right on ramp? Should it be this or this medium, mm. this shape? Like how many characters? And it's like, it ultimately doesn't matter. You just got to like get on it. I'm like throwing a party and like, I just have to get there and then like whatever it is, it is. But like, yeah. you have to, it's almost like you just got to like kick yourself into it and get in motion. And then those answers totally. will reveal themselves. But it's so tempting to sit on your couch and like think about them forever. Oh, totally, <laughs> totally. And once you get on the way, yeah. You know, the whole thing is there to be explored. You know, you don't have to take the same route the first time, the first draft, the second draft, you might go, whoa, <laughs> I don't know what that journey through this story was, but that is not the journey that I planned to take and I'm going to pivot. But that's okay because you've already done it once. You know a little bit, you know kind of the path that you might take. You know that bit was boring. That bit was just the same, you know, same tree after tree after tree after tree. I'm not going to go that way, but wow, that view, that view was beautiful. So beautiful. Mm. So I'm going to detour there and then I'm going to get back on this other way through it. Absolutely. Ugh. I want to talk to you forever. Where do you struggle right now as an artist? Mm. <laughs> Apart from everything is a struggle sometimes <laughs> more than, and I don't mean that to be depressing. I mean, more like, I just feel like it's all struggle and there's no smooth sailing and smooth sailing doesn't exist. And that's kind of fine. It's so fine because on all levels, you know, there's like systemic issues in terms of the value of what we make in terms of good arts policy, in terms of being paid right. And then there's, you know, gatekeeper issues, there's interpersonal struggles. <laughs> and then there's just those existential struggles that you have with yourself while you're making work. And yeah, on that, to be a bit existential for a second. Please, this is the place. <laughs> I'm always asking, you know, why? Why do we make something new? You know, like with novels, with movies, with music, with plays, like why not just do the classics? 
over and over and over. It's such a strange profession in which I am up against literally every writer, literally all of them. It's so strange. And (laughs) with every generation, yeah, it's weird. Every generation, it's like, guess what? We're going to give you this beautiful gift. And that gift is that you get to enjoy the classics from every single genre from literally the entire canon of human civilization. That is so weird to come up against in your profession, especially with my non-arts friends who are like, well, I'm just a cog in a machine. And I'm like, yeah, and I'm doing something of which there's literally thousands. I'm not, there's no machine. I don't know. It's so weird. I'm up against all of human civilization. (laughs) Yeah. And yet it's kind of just funny to think about that and to think, oh, well, (laughs) that's not the direction that this thing's headed, you know, where this world is still figuring itself out. We're still asking the same questions about what is it to be human? (laughs) All these existential things are still, are still there. And the classics have something to say about that and the contemporary work has something to say about that. And we just need to just be a, a grain of sand on the beach of this theme. <laughs> this whole beach is all of the works on this theme and that beach over there's, you know, this other theme and written by these writers with this positionality. Positionality matters. We haven't heard everyone's point of view for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a bit existential. To get more like the literal struggle of, where I'm at right now. So I just finished a project and um, handed it in. And hopefully- Congrats. Thank you so much. Amazing. It's been like two years with this thing. Oh my God. And um, yeah, hopefully it'll get produced and it'll get published and that'll all happen next year. And because of that, I've been working on this for two years. So much energy has gone there. So many resources have gone there and it's had its own momentum. It's built its own momentum. And part of building that momentum is a huge amount of faith and a huge amount of effort and a lot of buy-in and a lot of conversations. And it's just sort of gets to a place where it's, I mean, art never takes care of itself, but in a, in a way it does. Like I just trust, I'm so trusting of this. And so a lot of those anxieties are taken care of. And then you finish a project and then you have to start something new. And then you're at the very beginning. And yeah, I've been ideating and I've been developing the concept and I've done like a very, very draft zero on like the first act. So I'm just starting to find the voice of this thing. And so much of it is an unknown quantity. And that's just the deal that you make (laughs) when you make a new art piece of art. You know, you don't know what it's going to be in terms of its artistic expression. You don't know what it's going to be in terms of where it's going to find its legs, how it's going to land in the world, what it's going to become. And it's such a different mindset to go from something that has got a momentum to it into something that is so unknown. It's a real pivot. You just have to be so patient. (laughs) It's it's strange. Anyway, that's my challenge of right now Mm. is going okay, don't force it to be something. Don't decide who might direct it. Like all these weird things that my brain goes, well, if I can latch onto that, it'll help inform something. Just letting go. It almost reminds me of like getting out of a long relationship and like being on the rebound or starting to date someone (sighs) brand new where like you knew your ex deeply well, a million data points. And then the new person, you know, like three things about them, but you project (laughs) onto them an entire history and motivations. And it's like, you don't know, you just feel uncomfortable not knowing. So your brain is going to connect the dots. 
totally. Where is it going? Is this the one? Yeah. Is it gonna be a long term? Are you gonna like give back what I'm putting in? I don't know. You're a big investment. And then on that, I love that dating metaphor. It's exactly the same because then, like, are you on Tinder right now? Are you are you trying to shop all your ideas because you're like, I don't know. I just got off the horse. You better be good, otherwise I'm moving to something else. Like, no, just wait, just wait. Anything can be a long term idea if you give it that love. Oh my god, I wish that was also true for dating. <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah, no. Dating, there are red flags. Maybe there's red flags with ideas. Maybe. Maybe you this can is... ask your writer friends, what are the red flags? When oh you're God. dating a new idea, what are the red flags? What makes you go, whoa, 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 whoa. turn back, turn back. That's fun. That's so that could be a fun podcast. Absolutely. We should do that. There's also like the idea of like a Tinder for ideas where you're just swiping until you're like, oh, I can write about that. <laughs> I know. And everyone knows like ideas are only going to show them, you know, your best parts. And then you start to know it and you go, oh no, you're so flawed. You're so flawed. And then it looks back at you and you're like, you're flawed. You can't even write me. And you're like, oh man. <laughs> I have one last burning question, yeah. which is the component of faith, going on faith when you're producing a new work. How do you, like, what's your mental game around having that faith and trusting in the process, trusting in what you're developing, that it's going to have some core of truth that's going to resonate with people? Hmm. So I don't think that I try to have faith in an idea. I think I have more faith in myself to execute an idea. Yo. I understand that really the bread and butter of this project is sitting down and writing for 20 minutes and then maybe writing for another 20 minutes and then writing for another 20 minutes. But that's really the bread and butter. The other stuff of the project is just a distraction or a dessert or an indulgence, which is great, but really the bread and butter is very solo and there's a lot of repetition. So I think I have faith that I can do that. <laughs> I can keep doing that. And maybe it won't be this idea, but I'm still going to need to sit down and try it. I guess it's more like the mechanics of showing up at my desk and writing. I have faith that I can do that. I have faith mm. that I can do the bones of what this whole, this whole pursuit is. That is good at practicing, knowing, oh, wow, I can see something through where I can show up and do the work. And the career, eh, well, we'll see. The other day I was like, whoa, my, I mean, I'm 32 now, but I was like, whoa, my 20s plays are behind me. <laughs> I'm just writing my 30s plays now. Then I'll be writing my 40s plays. Then I'll be writing my 50s plays. Like, whoa, they're going to be, like my body of work is going to be so enormous. Or maybe not. Maybe it won't be. <laughs> we'll see. But if you can have faith that you can show up and do the bit that you can control, well, that's something. That's amazing. Like what I hear is like the word is like professionalism almost where mm -hmm. you're like, I trust myself. I trust that I'm not hinging my success or my future on this like magic thing that's outside of me, but on my ability to engage, to trust that I can see something through and know when to keep going, when to pivot, when to change, when to pause, like that's trusting yourself as a, as a craftsperson. Yeah. The craft. I love mm -hmm. that. I love that. Awesome. And really in terms of a project, is it good? Is it not good? I don't know. 
It's more just, can you be with yourself? Mm. I trust that I can just be with myself no matter what. And so that's kind of, okay, cool. <laughs> we Let's do this. That's the hardest part. And I think that's where sometimes art like becomes the lens through which you're having your very human experience. Because <laughs> ultimately that question always is, can I just be with myself? Whether mm. you're writing a play or not, like mm. the play is just another place that you're, you're facing that question and like totally. what your answer is. <laughs> totally in my relationships. Can I be with myself if this works out? If this doesn't, can I be with yeah. myself if I make this big life choice or not? Well, yeah, we can. We can. Mm. So that's fine. Ugh. I can't think of a better place to leave it. That's so beautiful. Emily, thank you so, so much for coming on the show. I have loved every minute of this and I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Oh, please. Let's make that super soon. Awesome. Take care. Thank you so much. Thank you for walking this creative path with me. I'm so grateful to be learning with you. If you like the show, I'd love for you to share it with a fellow creative. And please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. For more day-to-day support and inspiration, join our creative community on Instagram at beautiful underscore possibility. The show is hosted by me, Jillian Jacob Kieser, and edited by Abby Circatella. The theme music is from Candelion. Until next time, just keep going. Keep going.